It's Dan Portnoy. Welcome to Copy That, a podcast for the creative side of things. All right, today we're talking all things nerdery. Um, it's kind of been a big couple of weeks. We've had Avengers Endgame, obviously a big cultural zeitgeist scenario, uh, Game of Thrones, Battle of Winterfell is uh, all the talk, and now, t- now it's free comic book day. So it, there's just so many things happening on the uh, for the general nerd in your life. So hopefully that right now they're like a very emotional, um, up in arms maybe, a little sad, a little happy. Um, hopefully above all things very satisfied i know i was uh or i am with uh, a lot of things that are happening in those three arenas so especially free comic books hello so today on our episode we're going to talk with heather antos she's a editor at valiant comics and uh it's just it's actually really inspiring i, I think it's really inspiring when someone can decide to do something and then they just go for it and uh, that is really Heather's story so uh, it's really fun and it's uh, I think the comics just in general I just can't get enough of if you look at my Instagram account it's full of uh, French bulldogs cinematographers and comic book artists so I just am following so many and because I love to see what they're doing it's just and the way they do it I just I love it um, last little warning before we get into the interview is that a little bit of a language warning Uh, So if you've got young ears around, you may want to uh, shield them. All right. Talk to you soon. Here we go with Heather Antos. So my guest today is Heather Antos. She's the editor at Valiant Comics, uh, among other things. And Heather's going to talk to us today about so many exciting things in the world of comics. Heather, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm super excited. Excellent. Well, can you give me some background like on your road to comics? Like um, for me, it seems like it's full of magic and there's a a huge mystery here. Um, But I don't know that that's actually a thing. It just seems kind of like the same way when I go, hey, mechanic, can you fix my car? And they're like, done. It just seems magic, Uh, like a lot of magic right now. So how... How do you get into comics? Like, and you're, I mean, you you're soaring in some some very rare air. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's kind of well. There's two different things with it, right? Like, uh, the way I talk to anyone when it talk when uh, people talk to me about like, how do you break into comics, or I want to make comics, or I want to make video games or movies or whatever. Um, you just do it. Like I wanted to make <laughs> comics, and just so I just started making comics. Now there's a difference between, you know how do I break into comics and how do I work for Marvel or how do I work for Valiant? That's a different story. (laughs) Um, but I mean, it was a bit of the same, the same way for me. Uh, I guess the, the short of it is, is very much simply that is I wanted to make comics. And so I just, I started doing it. Um, and I, my goal at the time when I started making comics, I was, um, 24 years old. Um, or 23, about to turn 24, and I just graduated college, um, decided I didn't want to pursue what it was I had went to college for, which is always a great feeling, um, knowing you you just spent all that money. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a, fr- a friend turned to me at the time, and he was just like, well, you like comics, why don't you do that? And at that point in my life, no one had ever mentioned to me that comics was a career possibility. 
Um, it's not like when you're in kindergarten and it's career day, you know, they have bring the writer of Batman to school to mm. talk about their job. You know, that your right. options are, especially in the Midwest where I'm from, your options are doctor, teacher, lawyer, wash, rinse, repeat. Right. Um, so this, it was this huge epiphany. And I, I'm the type of person that when I become interested in something, I'm super, super laser focused on it. And so, uh, everything was about how do I, how do I do this? Um, and like any good millennial does, um, I began tweeting, Mm -hmm. asking questions to people in the industry. Um, I had been writing for a couple different websites at the time, doing reviews for, uh, you know, movies, comics, video games, et cetera. Um, so I kind of had a bit of a, a following in that realm and was going to conventions and stuff. And I, and I found a couple of editors that would be going to C2E2 that April. Um, and I was like, will you sit down with me and just, just talk to me? What, what is your job? What do you do? Um, and that's how I met Jordan White, who later became my boss at Marvel. Um, and he sat down with me and talked for an hour, kind of explained what a comics editor does. And I left that convention knowing this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, and that was it from that point on. I, I began self-publishing. Um, I began, you know, putting together a resume of my own projects, uh, because I wanted to, my, my goal at the time at 24 was by, by 30, I want to be working for a major publisher. And, uh, I, I put together this huge project called unlawful good an anthology of crime that summer. Um, it features almost 50 creators, uh, from all over the world, uh, 17 short stories, short comics, all about crime. Dang. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. You can, uh, you can still order a copy offline, just Google unlawful good, um, or go to my website. Uh, and uh, yeah, that summer I was running a Kickstarter and building this project. Fast forward six months later, um, it's New York Comic Con. I'm pushing the Kickstarter there and I happen to run into Jordan again and I show him the ash can for the book I'd been, you know, using to try and get more backers via Kickstarter. And he looks at it and, and it's just this, it was this big proud moment for me of like, you know, we talked six months ago, look what I've done since. Mm. Um, I took your wisdom, look what I've done with it. And he's just like, you know, would you ever be willing to move to New York? And I'm like, absolutely. Um, one month later I had an interview with Marvel uh, two months later, I packed up my bags and with a one-way ticket to New York City and then launched this Star Wars comics at Marvel. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, so that's a little bit of my road. A uh, lot of luck, but a lot of prepared, you know, just being prepared for the right opportunity when it came to me. Sure. Now, did you just find yourself just just reading everything, absolutely everything you could? I mean, what, what kind of, uh, I mean, did you just tumble down the internet, you know, information hole kind of thing to put it put something like that together i mean or did you think well um this feels good right now this is kind of in front of me i mean how did i mean it seems like you really created your own possibility yeah it it was i mean i my background is in theater and film um i've been you know performing in theater and producing film projects since i was a kid my parents met in musical theater it's all i know um and so all throughout college i had my own production company i was working on film sets i you know 
produced uh, student one act festivals and film festivals and, and stuff like that. So putting together creative projects is just something that came naturally to me. Okay. Um, okay. And, and honestly, I would say being a comics editor is more similar to being a TV or film producer than any other profession out there. Oh, wow. Um, so it, it's a lot different than, than your traditional um, publishing house editor for like novels and stuff. Um, and so I knew how to get, how to work with creative people. I knew how to cast projects. I knew how to build schedules and deadlines and all that stuff. The only thing I had to learn is the publishing specifics of it. And a lot of that was trial and error. And a lot mm. of that was just asking for help and, you know, having no shame and, and being willing to admit, I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, you do, will you help me? Oh, wow. Um, and I was very lucky in that I had a lot of people willing to help me, a lot of people rooting for me and wanting me to succeed along the way. Um, and I still like, I'm super, super proud of that project I put together. It, it's one of those things where like, you know, I look back at it now that I quote unquote know what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I cringe a little, but at the sure. same time for it being my first project and not knowing what I'm doing, like it's pretty damn good. Yeah. What, what's the process of that? Like, what's the timeline? I mean, because, you know, out here in L.A., when we, you know, producing is we start uh, the, the thing that I say when someone says, Dan, well, what's a producer? I say a project manager, um, a, a charismatic project manager. Um, no, from, I mean, that's that's completely right. I, I say, you know, it's it's part part time project manager, part time therapist. I right. mean, like that's, yes. that's what being a comics editor is. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But the timeline, what's a what's a time did you say we're gonna make this thing in six months when you when you set out to do it? Or was it like faster than that? Uh so I mean that that book actually came out pretty well on time. Um I because everyone contributing to the book was doing it for free, I gave right. them like, you know, Ideally, in comics, they say you should be able to draw a page a day um, or a page every every two days. Mm -hmm. And but because everyone was doing it for free, I gave like the artists, you have two months to draw eight pages right? Um, because you all have day jobs and are doing this for free and, and things like that. But um, it varies. It completely varies project to project. There's no hard, fast staple, ideally in comics, um, you know, with, with your Marvel and DCs, your, your monthly books. The idea is, is to be able to do a book in a month. Um, oh, but wow. even that's not actually how it happens, even though you have, you know, issue one comes out this month, issue two, you know, the next month, sure. three, four, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, these guys are starting so far in advance beyond that mm. because, um, most artists take five to six weeks to draw a book then it still has to get colored and lettered and, and right. notes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some Never mind artists, life happening and they got exactly. sick and vacations and people, yeah, death right. in the family. Like, he, oh, yeah, right. like, yeah, you know, um, stuff is prepped so, so far in advance. Um, but then there's also artists that take eight, 10, 12 weeks a book. Um, oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, usually publishers are planning, um, as far like two years out in advance of what the publishing line is. So you can schedule, schedule in advance. Like oh, I, when, when I 
And then if you work too, like when I was working on Star Wars, you have a whole different realm of, well, now you need approvals from a third party mm-hmm. uh, licensor. So now you have to build that into the schedule. So what was usually a six week process is now going to be an eight week process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Wow. And then you're just kind of, you're, you're kind of, um, and you're doing on it for like, pen, right? yeah, like you're hurrying it, up to wait. Yeah. And, and you're doing it for like 10 to 12 projects at a time. <laughs> oh, and you, so do you just have like the craziest, uh, you know, whiteboard in your office kind of deal? Is that the way that works? Uh, everyone works a little bit differently. Some people use a whiteboard. I don't. I I use a lot of. I'm a big fan of like using Google Docs spreadsheets oh, nice. because then yeah, yeah. I can access things anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have. I'm a huge, huge advocate. Like I process better analog. Um, so I have my own like notebook where I write everything down in and have a bunch of sticky notes and post-its and schedules and everything in there. Um, and then I just also have an incredible memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very Hopefully. lucky with that, uh, where everything's kind of compartmentalized in my brain. Um, but, uh, yeah, there are some people that work via whiteboard. There are some people that work, um, you know, with, with, uh, Dropbox or some people that work in, in various different ways. I'm, I'm very much an advocate and finding the system that works best for you. Sure. Uh, and just doing that rather than having one hard, fast way of, you know, this is how everything has to be done because that's, you know, that's just not how you produce the best creative work. Totally. Now I feel like comics are bigger than they've ever been. Am I wrong in that? Uh, I mean, comics are definitely more in the forefront of mainstream media than they've ever been. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, they're not selling as because I feel like there was that time in the '90s when like books were selling like bajillions. Right, but, but in the '90s there also wasn't the internet, and there right. also wasn't video games like they are, and there also wasn't YouTube. You know, right. um, so yeah, books were probably the issues themselves were probably had higher individual numbers, but also in that point. Image was just getting started. Image wasn't right. as big as they are. Dark Horse didn't exist. Oni didn't exist. Boom didn't exist. I need up like the amount of books, the amount of options out there is multitudes higher oh, than yeah. ever was before. You know, um, and so though an individual comic itself isn't necessarily selling as high as it was altogether. The industry is selling just as much as it was. And it, and it just seems to be super informative of culture. Uh, I mean, whether it's Malar World or whatever. I mean, it just everything is what can Netflix pick up and what can, uh, you know, Hulu's mining comics now for for what are, what are they going to roll out? Um, it's just it, it's it's super fun. Like, I, I just think it's super, super great to see that, like things from 20 years ago or five years ago. Do you feel any pressure in that when, um, when you're working on something now to think like, Oh, this could be, this could be a a show. Um, this could be a, no, no, I think, I mean, you know, you always have that of, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if, right. But Mm -hmm. like, I, I don't, if you are creating a comic for the sole purpose of it, get turned into a TV show or a movie, then, Mm -hmm. That's that's just not the attitude to me uh, why we should be making these things like Mm -hmm. comics is such a unique medium is such a unique storytelling um, medium that not every story can be told in. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, there there should never be this pressure. And and I feel like um, 
there are these, uh, you know, smaller publishing houses that are making comics for the sole purpose of them to be churned out an IP. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I don't know, there's something that's just kind of, that feels kind of dirty to me because right. it's almost like disrespecting the medium in a way. Okay. Like we're making comics for the purpose of making comics. Like if it gets turned into a movie, that's, that's fucking rad. Sure. Um, but that's, that's not why I'm making comics. Um, and, and yeah, so that's, I don't know, like, I don't feel the pressure, uh, I, but I also see and have an approach to from from on the freelance side and the creator own work that I do. Um, sometimes I'll get writers that come to me that have pitched um, a project as a TV show or pitched it as a movie, and the and the producer and studio is just like, we really really like this and we want to greenlight it, make it a comic first, mm-hmm. so that we can say it's based on a comic. Um, oh. That does feel gross, doesn't it? it it's really weird. Yeah. Um, it's really weird to me. And like I've worked on a couple of those projects and like I I like I you know, they're good stories and I'm excited about them. But it is it's just weird to me that if you liked it enough to say we're going to green light it, why are you forcing it to be made in another medium just to have the tag based on a comic? Like it's right. just weird to me. I, d- I don't understand it. Marketing is not my thing. Capitalism's not my thing. I'm not going to pretend to understand it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I okay. just understand comics. <laughs> okay. Well, what yes. encouragements would you give to, I mean, like, like what I, I really love so far and what you're telling me with your story is like, Hey, I want to do this. Okay. I'm going to start doing this. Um, that is, is that what kind of encouragement would you give to writers and illustrators? It's, it's pretty much, they gotta, they gotta get it out there, right? Whether in whatever form needed. Yeah, I mean, there is no better time than now to be a creator, in my opinion, Um, especially in comics, because, you know, there's Twitter, there's Tumblr, there's Webtoons, there's Comixology, there's all of these platforms for you to just make a comic and get it out there. You don't have to be pitching your ideas to Marvel or DC. You can, if you have a good idea, you can just do it. Um, and put it out there and market and sell and brand yourself um, and then build an audience so that Marvel and DC want you if, if that's your end goal. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's the big thing that that I pitch with uh, or that I pitch to, to, to young writers and artists is if you want to do it, like just just do it. Like the only person stopping you from creating a comic is you. You know, if you have a story to tell, write it. If you if you have a character you want to create, create them. Um, nothing is stopping you. And I always then ask the question, like, why, why are you doing this? What's your motivation? If your motivation is to be famous to me, that's the wrong motivation. Like I didn't get into comics, um, or, or want to make comics to, to my end goal be to edit Batman or write Batman or whatever. Like my Mm -hmm. goal is I love comics. I want to make comics. This is why I'm doing it. I'm lucky in that I got to work on star Wars and Deadpool and create all these characters, but that, that wasn't why I did it. My passion was the medium. My passion was creating. And, and I think, uh, things fell into place because I was pursuing that passion. Sure. When creating and launching a project, it's super tough because, 
it's like you've got to get out of your own head to start with and then once you're out of your own head it feels like you know there's there's so much against you do you worry about like when where do where do we factor in how well something sells or if it's popular or, or that kind of thing do do we worry about that or is it something like create it first and then we can start worrying about the marketing nightmare or helps that it gets i think it just depends on on uh, who you are that's doing the creating. Like there's a difference between, you know, Joe Schmo, who's a self-published creator um, living in Kansas and a difference between Marvel creating a project, right? There are different needs. There are different demands. There, there are different um, people that, that want different things out of that. Um, you know, obviously Marvel, some, a big, a big publisher like Marvel and DC, well, they do care about the marketing and they do care about the bottom line. And, and if it doesn't make a profit, it's done. But if it's a passion project for a creator that they're, they're just looking to get something on their resume, then at that point it's quality of the project is first and foremost, most important and, and marketing comes through second, you know, you obviously want to figure out a good marketing hook to sell it and, and get people to come to your tables at cons or to find an agent or publisher. But I don't think that making a profit is necessary, should necessarily be the motivation. If you're starting out when you're starting out, I think motivation should be finishing a project, mm -hmm. getting a project done and having something unique, um, of a good quality that you're, you're proud of that has your name on it when you're on your second, third, fourth project and have a couple of things under your belt, then you want to be looking towards making, making a profit, finding an agent, finding a publishing house. But, mm -hmm. but first and foremost, I think the goal should be actually making the thing. Sure. And get it out there into the world and then we can and get it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause that's, that's more important when starting out is, you know, not, am I making thousands of dollars on this, but you know, is it good? And are people associating me with a good thing? Right. Yeah. Very Cause, important. Cause that's then how you get to the next step of making the money doing the thing. <laughs> right. Right. Now, um, my girls are super into comics, like super, like, oh my gosh, I feel like we're always talking about stuff right now. And like any new Captain Marvel, anything right now is like mm -hmm. sending reverberations through the house um <laughs> kind of thing just like we're all super excited like we bought tickets like a month ago and we are yeah! we are ready to go um and it feels like there's there's this this new i don't know in like the last couple of years that like we're getting like the the princess leia book and we're mm -hmm. getting like okay i'm gonna tell us i'm gonna tell you the story but i'm not gonna tell you from the the what has been the the standard way um mm -hmm. or the standard perspective um and there's a lot more you know recent female-centered stories i think of uh ms marvel that's a big fan big fans in the house of of that ms marvel and uh some silk and you know just kind of running through a whole lot of new options that are that are happening what are you most excited about um do you think it's and and also do you think it's is it about time is it a, is it overdue um what what do you think I mean, I think it's way overdue. Uh, you know, women have been on this earth just as long as the dudes. Right. <laughs> so, and we've been consuming media just as long as the dudes. In fact, probably longer as the women were stuck home. <laughs> right. I think I think it's so great to be in this almost like cultural diverse renaissance in, in our in our media. Um, you know, getting these new perspectives and telling stories and and also just kind of 
realizing that women can be relatable, whether or not you're a woman. Like one of my favorite things, um, four years ago when star Wars force awakens came out, uh, everyone's super hyped, you know, Ray, right. Ray mm -hmm. is the new Luke Ray is this, sure. this new star. Um, and I was at, I was working at Marvel at the time and I'm at the Marvel offices and, um, one of, one of the, um, creative execs was in and he brought his like a uh, six year old son to the office and, um, was just, you know, giving him a tour and, and meeting all the people. And he stopped by the star Wars office and, um, I'm talking with the kid and I was like, Oh, did you see the new movie? And the kid's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, who's your favorite character? And he's like, Ray. And that just made me so excited. Mm -hmm. Um, that a little boy was so excited about Ray and Ray was his hero. And the dad was like, yeah, he dresses up as Ray. Like he's her favorite, uh, she's his favorite character. Um, mm -hmm. and that's just so exciting to me that there's this new generation, um, that doesn't feel ashamed, you know, for the boy to be looking up to the, the female character, not because she's a female, but because she's a hero. Right. Um, and that's so cool. Like, uh, creating Gwenpool and, and telling her story and working on her story and the amount of men, um, that have reached out to me and said like how much they look up to Gwenpool and how much they love Gwenpool because they relate to her, um, because she's such an impassioned comics fan. Mm -hmm. Um, and they see themselves in her like that is so cool and it's so empowering and it's to, to be a part of this like cultural renaissance right now and telling these stories um, and showing these empowered females and showing um, these men that uh, male heroes that aren't afraid to, you know, confront their weaknesses and be vulnerable. And uh, it, it's just, it's so cool to be a part of this and to see it, and to see it succeed and to see it succeed beyond anyone's expectations. Yeah. Gwenpool's also a big, big fan in the house. Uh, they're, oh my goodness. How silly and fun, <laughs> right? So good. She's, she's a blast. She's so yeah. much fun. I miss, I miss her dearly. She was, she's my baby. So talk to me a little bit about like, what are you most excited about that, that you're working on right now? Oh my gosh. I, it, it's, it's tough because there's so much I want to talk about, but I can't yet because it's still so early. Um, and, and things are so early in development that I can't really share too, too much. Um, but I, what I can talk about is I'm working with Vidaia right now on Livewire, which is super, super, super fun. Um, Livewire is uh, a Syat named Amanda McKee, um, and she controls all technology, which kind of makes her the most powerful person on the planet. Um, mm. You know, she can hack into any computer, any phone screen, any system, whatever she wants to, and and do whatever she wants with it. Um, but of course. With that power, um, unfortunately, she made a huge mistake. And uh, so she's kind of on this huge redemption arc right now because the entire world sees her as a villain. Um, because in order to save her kind, she ended up like basically shutting down the entire world's power, mm. um, which unfortunately caused a lot of bad things to happen. Sure. Um, which wasn't her intention, but of course people don't realize that. And so she's kind of, you know, America's most wanted, um, on the run, a uh, huge redemption arc. And so it's kind of been really fun to explore, um, this arc with, with this very proud woman 
who now has to come to terms with, you know, even though she had the best of intentions, she did make a mistake. Mm. Um, and, and it's, it's been really cool to explore this new, new universe. Um, that's a little bit more grounded than say your Marvel or DC superheroes, Mm -hmm. um, and, and work with these creators in this world and, um, help to develop them as, you know, coming next year, we have the bloodshot film. Mm -hmm. Um, so Valiant's going to be a little bit more on the map, which is very, very exciting. And so because of that, I'm also developing a bunch of brand new projects and I can't really talk about yet. Sure. I'm very, very, very excited. And announcements will be dropping soon. Um, one of the things I can kind of tease is I am developing a brand new Exo Mana War book. Um, I can't say anything else on it yet. I can't <laughs> okay. say who's doing it, but I'm very excited about who's doing it. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's so cool to be, you know, Marvel and DC have this history. They have sure. these this decades long legacy and history, but but it almost feels like everything that can be done in those universes has been done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when and, you're getting like Infinity Gauntlet seven or Returned and exactly yeah. Secret Wars two, Civil right. War two, yeah. and you always feel like you have to put the toys back in the box, right? Captain mm-hmm. America can be Hydra, but. Now he's a good guy again. Right. Um, and we know he's going to be a good guy because he's Captain America and he's always a good guy. Totally. Um, you know, Wolverine died, but we know he's going to come back because he's Wolverine and it's happened before. Right. Not to say that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no, 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 but, no. But there's a level of expectation there and there's a level of, of comfort there um, that we've grown accustomed to. And Valiant doesn't have that legacy. It doesn't have that universe. It doesn't have that set of standards because they've only been around for, you know, 20 years. And so getting to kind of play in this fresh ground and um, establish our own path and in this modern era of comics is, is super fun. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think is so great about whether it's, you know, Valiant and IDW and Dark Horse and Boom. And uh, it's just like these, these different flavors. And I, I think it's just a really great thing. And I think uh, hopefully people, when they're in their comic shop, they're not just looking at the big dogs and they go over to that indie rack or that smaller rack um, to check out, uh, some of these these fun titles. Now, um, anything you could tell us about Free Comic Book Day is not that far away. Um, what you guys have planned, or anything anything that way? Um, yeah. So Free Comic Book Day is God. You're right. It's just it's mm. like two and a half months away. Oh my goodness. If that? No. It's like yeah. It's like two and a half months away. Ah. Yeah. Um, we actually just sent our book to print uh, last week for Free Comic Book Day. It's very exciting. Um, I didn't work on any of the stories on it because it got, they all were started before I came on to Valiant, but there's a tease, um, for new bloodshot. There's a tease for, uh, fallen world, the event that's happening this summer featuring Rye. That's our future event. Um, they're both super exciting projects, um, that look rad. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I can't wait, uh, for y'all to check them out. Oh, that's sweet. I'm super stoked on it. I love Free Comic Book Day. It's the best. It's the best. And if you like, you know, future ninjas fighting dinosaurs, then this book is for you. That's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah, no. I'm, who who doesn't love that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's amazing. Well, Heather, thank you so much for being on the show and letting us know about all this 
really super cool stuff. I, I love the comics medium, and, and thank you for uh, the work that you do in it. Um, I just love it, and thanks for being on the show. It's the best. You're the best. Well, oh well, thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast. And that's our show. Make sure you get out and grab some comics at Free Comic Book Day. Find your local comic book shop or go to freecomicbookday.com and grab, you know, know where to go so you can grab some. It's awesome. I'm personally going. Uh, I've got two uh, places I'm going to swing by. Not because I need two sets of comics, but more. Um, I just like comic book shops and they're pretty fun. Um, maybe three. Who knows? Who knows? It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy town. Um, you can find Heather Antos on social media. You can find her at, at Heather Antos, A-N-T-O-S, both on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Dan Portnoy. And uh, sign up for my email list at copythat.show. And uh, this week, I'm going to send somebody a whole bunch of comics. So make sure you sign up. And that's our show for this week. Have a great one and be safe. <laughs>